Truth and Transcendence. Brought to you by Yes, You Now with Catherine Llewellyn. Truth and Transcendence, Episode 41, with special guest Richard Lang. Now, Richard Lang, for those who haven't come across him directly, has been a psychotherapist, a dance teacher, has taught Tai Chi for 30 years, and has in fact retired from doing all of those things. In 1970, before Richard began any of those activities, he attended a workshop with Douglas Harding, author of On Having No Head, and discovered who he really was. And I expect I'll be asking him what he means by that. For those of us who haven't come across the headlessness work of Douglas Harding. So this method Harding developed is called The Headless Way, It's a method for directly becoming aware of your innermost self. Within a year or two of attending the workshop, Richard was giving workshops himself and more than 50 years later is still on the job. Now, Richard set up 25 years ago, Richard set up the Sholland Trust, which is a UK based charity for sharing the headless way. It has an extensive website And as well as writing books, making videos and giving workshops and attending and participating on podcasts, Richard facilitates online groups where the experience of our true nature is shared and celebrated. I wanted to invite Richard to join us for this first episode on this month's theme on big ideas, because the whole question of who we really are and the matter of how we perceive the world are very big ideas. You can't get much bigger than that. And they have the power to affect everything in all aspects of our lives. So um, Richard's work with Harding's Headlessness Method is truly groundbreaking. I'm a deep admirer of his dedication to bringing this particular big idea to thousands of people worldwide. And Richard has great heart, generosity and selfless humility in his mission. His experience, perspective and insight are of great value, especially for leaders today, in my opinion. And as you can tell, I've known Richard for quite some time, not for 50 years, but for a good 25 years, I'd I'd say. And um, I genuinely admire what he's doing with with this work. So I'm not going to try and explain what the headless way is, although I have had some experience of it myself. I will ask Richard to say a bit more about that. But first, Richard, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and finding the time to do it. Well, thank you, Catherine, for inviting me. A delight to be here. And uh, all that introduction, the best bit was the retired bit. And then, of course, the extremely humble bit. I like that. Just just one person's opinion about you, Richard, of course. <laughs> well, it's going to be a lot of people now, I can tell. That's just, we're going in the right direction. <laughs> Absolutely right. Absolutely right. So um, before I get into anything I wanted to ask you, would you like to say something about the headless way, um, what it is? Um, yes. You know, perhaps for, for people who haven't come across it or who have, have, aren't really there's a whole mixed group listening to these episodes, some of whom may have come across the headless way, some of whom may have never done anything like that at all. So if you could perhaps give a little bit of an idea about, about what it is, what is the headless yes. way? Yes, oh, I'd be very pleased to do that, Catherine. Thank you. And uh, I came across it, I, I think, like you said in the introduction, in 1970. And um, actually, I'm going to back up a bit before that. And just talk about identity in in a very uh, in a developmental way, and uh, put it in context really. And uh, when we're all babies, we don't know who we are. I don't know. I didn't know who I was. I was just open and spacious for the world. Uh, you're not yet looking back at yourself and seeing yourself as others see you. You're just open, which in the headless way jargon, you'd say you're headless because you don't see your head. You have no idea yet of your face. If you look in the mirror, that's not you. Now, as you're growing up, 
uh, you you join the club and people point at that person in the mirror and they say, that is you. And you go, what? <laughs> That's over there. I'm over here. That can't be me. But they keep telling you and they point at that person and they say, you've got to imagine yourself behind that face. You've got to sort of put it on like a mask and go around pretending you're behind it. We're all doing that. And uh, that is how you become aware of yourself as a person. You become aware of yourself as a person and of which person you are, because you only see one in the mirror. I only see Richard. I don't see Catherine. So we forget this, but it is a long job. uh, And the only reason, really, that we manage to become people is because it's 24-7 feedback. Uh, And so by the time... Uh, you're an adult, uh, you look in the mirror and that's you. You sort of automatically put your appearance on. You looked like you were going to say something, Catherine, but I hadn't finished and you were interrupting. (laughs) 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 But I will ignore that. I will ignore that nonverbal (laughs) interruption. I've, 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 I've got a terrible sense of humor. Given that you said oh, oh, you, yeah, I, you see, I can, I can read you. <laughs> Very well indeed. No, listening to you is um, stimulating my mind. And, and, you know, there are responses happening within me to what you're saying. Oh, exactly. None of it has had yet formed its way into actual words. But I, what you kind of picked up looking at me was that the fact that there were things happening there in yes. response. Well, this is what I'm talking about in the sense that communication is social and the way you find out about who you are is not on your own. It is through others. It's through communication, feedback, verbal and nonverbal. So anyway, most of us, everyone listening to this podcast is in this stage now of knowing who you are, thinking you know who you are, identifying with the one in the mirror, walking around as if you're behind a face you can't see. As if you are face to face with others when you only ever see one face, it's the other person's face. But that is the agreed norm. And of course, that is absolutely necessary to understand who you are in society and take responsibility for yourself and all of that and become a person. Now, I got to that stage, you know, like everyone else did or does when I was a teenager. And then I heard a rumor somewhere that I wasn't what I looked like. And you get this in the mystics and you get this all over the place that you're not what you look like. That there's something this is the inner self. There's something else going on, something else nearer to you than your breathing, but is vast, open, spacious. And you think, what on earth are they talking about? I'm not vast. I'm not spacious. I'm just rigid, you know. Anyway, I was really interested in this idea of freedom, really. And I uh, started reading around and didn't get very far. And then, by chance, went to a workshop with this guy, Douglas Harding, who's dead now, who wrote On Having No Head. Yeah. And you know what he did to me? He pointed at me and he said, Richard, I mean, basically, this is what he did. He said, Richard, can you see your face there? And I went, this is me yet again doing what I'm told. You see, I did what I was told growing up and put a face on, imagined myself behind a face. And then someone comes along and tells me to do something else. Yep, yep, certainly. Yep, have a look. And I had a look. Oh, no face here. I I thought there was supposed to be a face here, but there isn't. No, it's over there in the mirror. It's in everyone else. But, oh, my God, this is wide open spaces. And that was it. Now, I say that anyone can see this. You can't see because you can't see your head. I mean, right above your shoulder somewhere, you see it in the mirror. That's what you look like. But what are you from your point of view? Mm. And uh, the whole load of experiments Douglas developed for directing your attention to that simple experience of your own point of view. And uh, so obviously for some people it's so what? And for other people it's, oh, my God, that is what is so. (laughs) That, that, thank you. I've just, uh, now I, that's the missing piece of the jigsaw puzzle. I don't know what. makes one person value it and another doesn't. And that's not really my business. My business is that I recognize that this is a direct way into your true nature that all the great mystics have talked about. And it is a modern, 
you'll have heard that phrase, an idea whose time has come. Well, I say this is an experience whose time has come. And perhaps even a, a way home whose time has come, because it's just direct. You don't have to believe anything. You don't have to even be feeling good. Uh, you just look and uh, notice you don't see your head. Instead, you see the world. So that was the really fast tour, Catherine. Yes. <laughs> and your listeners will be reeling. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them will be going, uh, yeah, so what? And others are going, oh, my God, I see what he means. I'm looking at a wide open space. That's amazing. Thank you. Yes. Richard, you are amazing. <laughs> yes. But isn't that the way with really big ideas? You, you, you know, that, that you hear a big idea like that and how you, can, how you respond to it can be so varied. Yes. I think perhaps depending on where you are, how you are in that moment, whether it's the right moment for you to hear that idea, you know. And sometimes you can hear it and it means nothing. I mean, I'm talking about the headless way. I know about that. And 10 years later, you go, duh, oh, I, now I get it. <laughs> you know, yeah. 10 years. And I have, I know lots of people that that has happened to. Yes. And uh, yeah, it's very mysterious, but that's all part of the fun of it, I think. Yeah. But the, the big idea, uh, you say, well, so what? I say, well, that means when I'm with someone, I, I'm consciously noticing I can't see my own face. I'm looking out. It's very intimate. Secret. I'm looking out a wide open space, and now I'm looking on the screen at Catherine, and I've got Catherine's face instead of my own. I am Catherine. <laughs> so, uh, well, what else then? What What else is good about it? What else? I am Catherine. I am the world. <laughs> You're asking me, you know, uh, go on, what else? <laughs> well, what else is that everyone is in the same condition? So uh, now you are aware uh, that we are many and we are one. And this is a game changer in terms of how you respond to others because they are not you, but they are also you. Mm. And what you do to the other, you do to yourself, not just in a psychological kind of way, but in a basic way because we're all looking out of this open space and you're in me and I'm in you. Now, uh, you can't go around bombing people like is happening today uh, when you are deeply con aware that they are yourself. It changes everything. It, it you know, it is really relevant. Yeah. yeah. Next question. <laughs> it's, it's difficult to say anything after that because it's, I know. it's, so, yeah. um, it's, it's so rich. It's like eating a rich um, course in, in, a, in a meal, you know, one of those seven course meals. And you've just had a delicious course, and you have to just sit there and let your stomach relax for a few Well, minutes. while you're relaxing and digesting, Catherine, here's another uh, course for you. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's the main meal or dessert or, you know, but when Douglas Harding saw this, he'd been looking for years, and he, and he got the idea of being layers, as it were, and not stopping at the boundary of his skin, but he was still not able to access. You see, what he, in, a, in effect, what he worked out was what he was depended on the range of the observer. So it's a very modern, science-based approach. What am I? Well, you tell me I'm Richard, but I say, well, you're over there, six feet away. Come up to me and tell me what I am closer. You say, and say oh, you've changed. You're only ahead now. I say, oh, well, keep going. You're still not here. And you, you come close. Oh, you're just a patch of skin. See, the listener has to visualize this. You then, well, come closer. You're still distant. I want to know what I am here, not what I am for you over there. Well, now you're just cells. Now you're just, whoa, molecule, whoa, you're almost nothing, you see. And uh, of course, if you went away, you'd, you'd leave Richard behind and you'd see England and Europe and the planet, the star, the galaxy. And I need every one of these layers to sit here and breathe. But the question is, it's like an onion with layers. What is at the center of all these layers? Well, Douglas, in, uh, it was in the 1940s. He was actually in India working and then in the army. And uh, he thought, well, obviously, it makes sense that at the center there's a sort of nothingness. I mean, a very special kind of nothingness that is aware, awareness, you know, that is at the reality behind all these appearances. But how do you access it? It, it seems so inaccessible. 
And then one day he looked down and he, he noticed he couldn't see his head. And he was looking out of the place that seemed so inaccessible. You know, this nothingness that is somehow hidden deep in your center is the place you're looking out of. It's, that is the joke. It is not hidden at all. It's hidden in plain view. You know, so that, uh, I did an enormous amount of work making sense of this later. But you can see that this isn't just a kind of, uh, you know, rather wacky idea. This makes sense. And the wacky idea is that you're a thing at center. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we, I suppose if we, if we, even if we haven't come across this particular uh, way that we're talking now, we, we've all had that experience of, of knowing that we are not just a physical body or that we're, that we're not just um, a, a kind of a limited unit that only goes as far as the edge of our skin. I think we've all had that experience, whether it's, whether it's when we're in some sort of um, state of ecstasy or whether it's when we're in some sort of state of wonderful connection with somebody else you know or whether we're you know whatever may be happening where we sort of we we know ourselves in a different way from the way you talked about of i am the thing in the mirror yes and i I suppose one of the things that is really uh common now in our world is is this kind of obsession with grooming and presenting the thing in the mirror in the best possible way. Well, I was going to ask you whether I looked all right. <laughs> because you don't know, because you can't see your own head. <laughs> Am I presentable? Well, I'm just going to jump in there. And this thing that you say, that everyone somehow knows this, that they're not what they look like. I think, well, of course they do, because that's who you are. You've never seen your head. You know, this is the thing that you may, you will describe differently from the way I've described it. But the experience is the same. Yes. Yeah. But there's a difference between um, n- noticing that experience occasionally or a few times in, in one's life and immersing and exploring and opening to that experience much more fully. You know, and something about you that's probably different from most people is that you've been working with this for a very long time. And playing can, with this playing with this that's much better yes. And, yes. And, and interacting with people and i noticed as you were talking about it you were you were almost um having a discussion about it rather than it was almost as if you were speaking about it from several different points of view one after the other in in a way yes. that is very interesting and very kind of intricate and quite unusual well, yeah. when people are talking about um, the ways of perceiving the world and perceiving themselves. Well, yes. You see, uh, when you grow up, uh, uh, as I said, as a baby, you've only got your point of view. You don't have all those other points of view. And uh, as you learn language, language is uh, growing up is the ability to place yourself in other people's heads, minds, and see yourself from there and see the world from there. It is empathy. Mm. You empathize with what others are experiencing. You never directly experience anyone else's experience, but this is the theory of mind that you learn as you grow up. You you develop the capacity through language and nonverbal gestures. You you take on uh, uh, other people's views, and through those you come to see yourself from many angles and you learn about yourself from many angles. So the point being that to discover who you are as a person, uh, it, it is social mm-hmm. and it is it involves empathy. Uh, would you believe, you know, it, it, it is a wonderful thing. To become a person is to become empathetic. Now, uh, the reason, you see, you could imagine yourself being an infant and you're just setting out on this journey of seeing yourself as others see you. And you, and you say to your friend, you know, I can, I can imagine my face here for about a second and then I forget. You know, I just, I, just, I just can't do it. I'll never be able to do it. It's an impossible task. And your friend says, I know I've got the same problem. I, can't, I just can't keep that image in mind. Well, what happens is that, 
you don't a you don't have a choice and b it's 24/7 people reminding you and uh inviting you because you want you want to do it you want to join in but the the mechanism is social feedback and uh the reason why we're so good at it is that we're still having all that feedback all the time, you know, and you have to keep up dating your sense of yourself because you change every day. You know, I got on the tube a few days ago. It was packed and uh, I was standing in the middle and then the young man got up and offered me his place. <laughs> that was a major moment of updating, you know, oh, <laughs> you know, Oh, right. I think I need to sort of upgrade, update my image of myself. You see, otherwise you you can't function. So you got that going. Now you become aware of your headlessness and you and you say to your friend, you know, this headlessness stuff, I can do it for about a second and then I forget. Right. Mm-hmm. Familiar. Mm-hmm. Well, what what uh, really helps is to put yourself in a situation where as well as getting the human feedback, you're getting the divine feedback. You're getting people around you who are also aware of their true nature and talking about it like we are doing. And that is how you get it going. That's how I got it going. Yeah. Uh, that's the sangha. That's the community of friends. And uh, that is skillful. You know, if you just try and do it on your own, well, actually, you can't do it on your own in the sense that. Uh, you're always any kind of realization in terms of it being a thought process is a conversation, like yeah, you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And that is between whether it's a real other or someone you're talking to, you know, who's not present. That is how you develop and deepen your realization is in uh, so you know, is, is in contact with others. And I'll just add one other thing. You it's the same mechanism, you see, it's not some weird new thing you've got to do. It is uh including now in this exchange with others the awareness of your true nature, and it is deepening empathy. Because now, for example, I look at you on the screen, Catherine, and I have a, if I, you know, if my empathy is, is developed a bit, well, I can, you know, see what mood you're in and that you're just, you know, you're wanting to say something. That's empathy, right? Mm. But now I empathize deeper. I say, well, actually, all that's going on. But I know Catherine is looking out of open space like me. Yeah. Catherine can't see her face where she is. She's wide open space for the world. Now, the fact that I am highlighting this and pointing it out in you is bringing your awareness to it, right? Absolutely. Well, there you go. You see, it works. It's the same mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. So I have surrounded myself with friends all my life, really. I've sought them out uh, or made them uh, people who are uh, aware of their true nature. And uh, it, it is playful as well as, you know, all the rest. Yeah. Absolutely. That's beautiful. I, that beautifully said, Richard. I, I, I think this is incredibly valuable, this whole kind of notion. I, it, when I say that, even calling it a notion isn't really right, is it? it it's more... Um, well, it's all of that. It's, it's a notion, that, it's yeah. an experience. But the notion is important because when you're growing up, you learn language. You, you wouldn't be able to function if you didn't take on language. Now, language is based on I am I and I see you, for example. But I means I as a person see you as a person. All right, we got that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those ideas are just profoundly powerful and important. The you know language and the ideas that ride on, through language on language. Now, when you wake up to who you are and you're with others who are aware of their openness, you it's really skillful to have a language that uh, includes that. So I say face to no face, or I say I'm looking out of a single eye, or I say, I, you know, I know for others I'm walking down the street, but for me I'm still and the street moves through me. Mm-hmm. Now, there you've got ideas, notions coming in that are really important for this process of uh, celebrating, communicating about, deepening, discovering. Yeah. 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 And I'm kind of curious, you know, when you first went to that workshop in 1970, 
you when you described it, it sounded like you walked in, had an interaction, and were immediately awakened. Was it actually like that? I mean, what what kind of person were you going into that? Were you particularly well, receptive, or were you I was a confused teenager? Receptive, or what, what I was happened? a completely confused teenager. I, I was seventeen, and I it was living in Yorkshire. I went. With my brother, we went to the Buddhist Society Summer School near London, you know, on our own by train. And we turned up at this Hodston, at this uh, place, and uh, we uh, hadn't a clue what people were talking about. It was very confusing. And there, there was a Tibetan monk there, and I heard that he could read my, people's minds. And I thought, I'm not going anywhere near him. You know, if he reads my mind, I'm, I'm, I'm sunk. <laughs> you know, so I was old uh, boy. I can understand that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but at the same time, I was genuinely interested. I've been reading books on Zen and uh, other religions. You know, I knew what I was looking for at one level, and another level I didn't. Uh, but I, it was very confusing. And uh, but then one afternoon, and it was a very sort of you know formal place in a way, and very British. And anyway, one afternoon, someone said to me, oh, Douglas Harding is just in the oak room. Why don't you go along? There's a meeting there. I had a clue who he was, you know. So I sort of yet again did what I was told. <laughs> I went along and uh, Douglas did uh, one or two experiments mm. and, and uh, pointing out the place you're looking from and a few others. It, yeah, I mean, at the time, we don't do this these days, but he got you. You had were paired up, and one of you was on one side of this long room, and the other was on the other side. And he had a piece. The other person had a piece of paper with a hole in it, and they looked through it. It was called a viewfinder, like a camera, you know. And they said, "Well, from over here, you're just tiny little mannequin over there, you know. All right, so you write that down, you put that on the floor. That's what you are here. Then you walk three yards closer, and you look through, and you say." Oh, here you're a head and shoulders, all right, all right, and and you you plotted the person's appearances across the room until they were an eye and then a blur, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it was very uh, hands on, and uh, you know it's brilliant. And then you had to look for yourself, you know, at the place that they are looking at, but they couldn't see because they could get so close to you, but they couldn't see. So then Douglas says, "All right, so now we ask." the person themselves. What do you see at zero? You see, well, nothing full of everything. Mm -hmm. So I, I mean, I, I obviously got it. What does that mean? That means I valued it. Yeah. Uh, everyone gets it. If you, you know, in my terms, you can't see your head, instead you see the world. So there's no hierarchy of seers because you can't see it better or worse. It's just, you can't see your head. Instead you see the world. But, what, you know, do you value it or not? And there's no, you can't prepare for that. And you, you, you everyone, you know, I, did I value it? Tiny bit, but enough to, you know, get the book and enough to go back a couple of months later with my mum and my brother to Douglas's house because I wanted to find out more. Yeah. Now, there I met other people, Jude, lots of people I still know, right? Uh, 50 odd years later, we're all friends because. We we uh, value this nothingness, you know, and uh, I found, and Douglas had understood this well, that uh, if you are uh, part of a community where this is normal, normal, you know, then it's normal for you, and you'll, you know, now there's lots of ups and downs on the way, and bumps in the road, and you're still a confused person. I was, you know, and you still have to grow as a person till the day you die, you finding out new things about you. But my God, you suddenly had injected into the system awareness of your true nature, which changes everything. You know, it's, uh, it's uh, completely, it's the same way of living, but it's living completely different. You know, yeah. I am you, I'm not you, I am you now. And to have friends, you know, that understand that, that is, that's wild. Beautiful. Well, I, I first came across it on the exegesis seminar. Have you heard yeah. of that? Oh, yes. I, I remember. Uh, Ros Hanneman was part of that. And... That's right. Yes. I've, yes. I lived in her flat for a while. Well, so did I. In <laughs> Great, Great Percy Street. Yes. Ah. 
<laughs> anyway, that, um, you, that, that window that wouldn't shut. <laughs> yes, I'm afraid that's a detail that eludes me now. <laughs> but we're on this, we did a couple of exercises, which at the time I'd never heard of Douglas Harding. And we were doing a whole series of different things across a few days. But I remember one thing we did was you took um, a, a brown paper bag. Oh, and looked through it, yeah. And and one one of you has your face on one end of it, and the other person has their face on the other end, and and you look and 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 the question is who's in the bag? Yeah, you're looking like through a tunnel. Yes, and the only person you can see is is the other person. Yes, I know it's powerful. That was very powerful. It is. It cuts everything out. Very intimate. I mean, it can be quite frightening for people. People are not used to that kind of intimacy, are they? But my God, it brings home the fact that you're face to no face. Yeah. It was very powerful. And there was another one we did where you you take your finger and point at yourself. Well, the listener could do that. Point at, point back at where others see your head, and what do you and see? You 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 look at you know it's like, um, who am I, what am I pointing at? Yes. What's your answer? And the answer is, well, nothing. <laughs> because, but, but that, it's interesting because, um, you know, doing, doing that, that was all uh, within the context of what we were doing. It fitted with the context of what we were doing. Um, and that whole idea of being nothing was very freeing in the sense that we, we could sort of let go of trying to be um, uh, merely a, uh, a well-functioning unit, you know, which, which up to that point was what we believed was supposed to be the goal, to, to simply be a well-functioning unit. But to then have that uh, exposure to the experience of, of being nothing and everything meant that you could, you know, there still is a physical body and there still is a job to do and there's still bills to pay and all of that sort of thing but that's not all that there is to it so yes Sorry. very very liberating yes well what you uh, a couple of things there uh, you pointed back and you said you know there's nothing now doesn't it make a difference that i understand what you're saying if i was if i reacted well on earth are you talking about catherine of course there's something there don't be silly yeah you know, that that is the normal society we're in, but if you are now in a this is a mini society here, mm -hmm. we understand that and we celebrate yeah. that and we get that and and we also understand that it's not denying that we have heads and we are separate. It's both, you know. Yeah. Uh, now the headless way it, it does fit in with quite a lot of ideas around, you know, like you're saying, you know, be at source, not at effect, you know, all of these, the, these ideas. But it, it so uh, it is going with that kind of trend. Uh, and its contribution is that it uh, offers these very simple awareness exercises, experiments that uh, direct your attention straight to the source rather than, I don't know, going round about looking for it. Yes. Yes, and you're absolutely right. Uh, being in a conversation with somebody where you can say something like that and they smile or nod <laughs> or say something else is, is very different because what that allows, that allows a flow. It allows me to keep flowing in that way. It doesn't and deepens your, deepens your realisation. It does. It doesn't interrupt it with a kind of a mundane... No, that's not true. You, you're, you're not permitted to see things that way, which, which, which then interrupts a particular expansive way of thinking and being. So I think what well, you're saying yes. about the, the social, the, how, how that social interaction makes a difference is very yes. important. Well, absolutely. And uh, uh, it is a, a new world. And it's very helpful to travel into the new world of who you really are with friends, you know, mm -hmm. uh, because they can point out things that you don't see yourself. I mean, for example, uh, especially if you're listening to this, you hear Richard's voice in the silence of, you know, in awareness, and then you hear Catherine's voice. Now, I know this is Richard's and I know that's yours. But at the same time, I'm aware that two voices are happening in one consciousness. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So from that point of view, I say, well, both voices are mine as this consciousness, as this silence. You see. Now, so both voices. Wow, that is a different way of listening, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So it is very helpful to have friends and uh, to uh, be in a society. And I'm very hopeful. I mean, there's no guarantees. It is small at the moment. Everything starts small. But it is an idea whose time has come. It is a a method whose time has come. And uh, it, it is been coming for you know several thousand years probably with the you know a mystic here and a mystic there has woken up to their true nature and tried to tell people and has been growing in the last century i suppose you know but i i am thrilled with the headless way experiments because they i know as my experience they deliver the goods to a lot of people and uh, make you know make it continually available and it's it's not dependent on anything, you know, wh- whether you're prepared or not, or yes. So no, um, no batteries required. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, it's good for the planet too. <laughs> exactly. Exactly right. So if if somebody listening to this is, you know, um, chief exec of a large organization, and they are in the world as it is now, post so-called pandemic, uh, you know, and they're, they're facing the challenges they're facing and trying to be a good leader and this, that and the other. Um, what would you say to somebody like that in regard to how this is relevant to someone like that? Well, I, I would say, uh, first of all, um, you know, uh, explore what the experience is and find out if it's meaningful to you. I don't think you can apply it as a kind of technique, to, yeah. you know, in any situation, because it's not. What it is, it's returning to your true nature and then seeing what you do from there. It's not a program. It's a sort of, you know, journey of discovery. But, you know, you could see how it could help. And I know with friends who are in that kind of situation, it does help. You know, you're you're in the board meeting and you're aware that you are the board meeting. You are space for the board meeting. All the voices are yours. Now, you're not a walkover. You're still aware of yourself as the chief executive or whatever. But you're also aware of being, the board meeting is in you. Now, this is uh, something to keep exploring and testing out. But that is a very empathic, that is a, uh, a attentive, it's realistic. Uh, you're, you're not, uh, you know, just being nice. You're not being nice. You're being attentive to the way things are given. And you're well aware that others are not aware of that. But that doesn't matter. A, you know, it, you can do be aware of your true nature, whether others around you are aware of it or not. You know, now this also, you could say, it gives you access to a place of silence and stillness in the midst of a storm. And uh, that's probably what you need, isn't it? It's the, it's the same thing, but opposite. You know, everyone's losing their heads, but you keep yours. Well, actually, everyone's hanging like mad onto their heads, and you have let go of yours. (laughs) 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 But I do like that 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 little example that you gave of of you're there, and you are the board. The board is you, Mm. and and the way you talk about empathy in connection with the, the the headless perspective or reality. Because I, I I like the way that you that you kind of emphasise there that we're not letting go of being a human being and connecting with other human beings. We're if if anything deepening that through yeah. having a much more expanded awareness and attention. Well, yes, I mean empathy is going to serve you in a board meeting, isn't it? Absolutely. You know you. Yeah, because you will have a, a a sense of where the others are coming from, you know, and it might mean you can really do a good deal, you know. Uh, you've read them, and they haven't even read themselves. So, um, you know, um, um, empathy is, is what we all are running on and need, and to need to be empathised with 
as well. You need people to appreciate you and understand you and all of that. Now, if uh, you add into the mix there this deep empathy that the person is actually, even though they don't know it, speaking out of the great void, that uh, they are operate, you know, that's their true nature. And that, you know, I think that takes you the rest of your life for that to sink in because it's, mm taken the whole of your life so far to sink in that you're separate, really. And when you wake up to this other side of the coin, uh, now, this isn't a technique, it's true. Or Mm -hmm. is it true? Test it out, you see. But uh, I think that this uh, has just uh, enormous implications for how we relate to others and how we do business. Yes, so if, if, if somebody, let's say someone's in that board meeting and their, their CEO is experimenting with this, how might someone in that board meeting perceive that CEO differently? Might they perceive them differently in the way that they're being, do you think? Well, they, or, or they should, they shouldn't they? No, well, I mean, if they've got any empathy, mm-hmm. uh, and, and they do, that's it, yeah. uh, they will. You know, you know if, if someone is feeling sad... You know, the typical thing of at the board meeting, Jonathan, you're not looking very happy. Yeah. Yes, I am. He says, as his lip trembles, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we can all see, we can all see. You say, and then you, but and then you, but because it's true, because the guy isn't happy, he's just about to burst into tears, right? So, I mean, we can all see that. He's just denying it. He's not wanting to be, you know, uh, embarrassed, whatever. Now, when you've got someone who is living from their openness, from their vastness, where, you know, when they're with you, they are being you. And I don't mean staring you in the eyes. I mean, just in this open, sensitive way, including you, because you are within them. And, uh, you know, I I think this uh, leads to uh, them sensing you more deeply and probably listening, but sometimes being really firm. You know, it's not a walkover. And uh, they say, well, where's that guy coming from? That's, you know, that's a bit different from Fred over there, who's always kind of jumping in and pushing his thing. And you can see he's really tight and nervous. But... George over, or, you know, Mary over here. Wow. What, 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 where's she coming from? That, ever, you know, people can feel it, can't they? Yeah. You know, yeah. Now that affects the atmosphere. It affects, well, I'll tell you something. A friend of mine who's retired headmaster of a, a primary school, and he was, uh, you know, they have these uh, inspections, and the inspectors came in, and they take over the office, the headmaster's office, and the headmaster has to, you know, out for the day or two <laughs> while they're doing the thing. Yeah. And any, But, you know, Colin uh, knocked on the door and, we- uh, and went into his own office and caught the guy reading one of his books, Colin's books. It was uh, a poetry book, Colin's poetry. And um, he was reading his poetry book. Now, in the uh, assessment at the end of the inspection, the inspector said, and, and Colin's poems are nature poems, and they're all about headlessness, but not, you know, they're all about being open to the world and empathy and uh, seeing from this openness. And anyway, the, in the inspector's report, the guy put, the school has the same atmosphere as his poetry. Oh, wow. Well, that, you know, there you go. That is as testimonials go, you can't get much better than that. No, really. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. <laughs> I could listen to you forever, Richard. It's just <laughs> delightful listening to you. It Hang on, I'm just going to turn the page and see what I was going to say next. Say next. <laughs> <laughs> I've got it all written down here. It's a manual. <laughs> but listening to you feels like I'm being sort of... Um, uh, invited into a different dimension you know invited into a kind of a magical dimension which is uh where i am very very welcome to be yes it's not like someone lovely way of putting it oh thank you (laughs) but that's how it feels you know listening 
you know, not not sometimes pe- people talk about a magical dimension. It's um, well, you might be allowed in, but first you have to do this, or you have to uh. change, or you have to be somebody else. You know, whereas you you keep emphasising this is something that's completely available instantly, regardless of how you are. Yeah. I also really like that thing you said when I asked about the the CEO thinking about this, and where you said, well, uh, invite him to to try this out and and see if it makes sense to him if, if it actually means means something to him because if it doesn't then does he can then explore it and you know so there's no kind of sense of um people should look at things this way or they must look at things this way or it, it's just it's available yeah hearing from the way you talk about it i think it's like you know what do they call it having a block party or something you, you've got a great party going now the headless way is a bit like that. It's a great party. Now, do you need to go down the street and tell the others that you've got a great party? No, they can hear the music. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and if they don't come to the party tonight, yeah, fine. something in them might think to themselves, well, I didn't go tonight because I had a headache or I was had to get up early in the morning. But I tell you what, I'm going to keep my ears open and go next time. You know, or you might say, oh, God, they're real weirdos there. <laughs> but they seem benevolent. I wasn't calling you a weirdo, Catherine. <laughs> I've been called worse, trust me. Have you? <laughs> well, after we finish this podcast, we can talk honestly and openly. <laughs> One of my favourite clients, I could, I could always tell when we'd made a breakthrough ah. because he would look at me and narrow his eyes and say, mad witch woman. Oh, because <laughs> he thought I'd done something. I hadn't. I'd just been listening, uh, which I know is not fair. But um... <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> I'll write that down. If I if I ever need to write a positive feedback to anything you've done, I'll, I'll, Mad Witch Woman was that it? <laughs> Mad Witch Woman, yes, was his, <laughs> his his greatest compliment to me. Oh. Um, but yes. Well, I think we can definitely agree that the headless way is a very big idea, and the more we talk, the more, the more I I I, I feel like there's multiple different ways of exploring it and multiple different yeah. kind of layers of experiencing it, and I feel like you you know you could keep talking for hours and hours and, and not repeat <laughs> yourself. Really, is, is that what it feels like where you are? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I admit it. <laughs> In public. <laughs> exactly. As guilty as charged, off to the cells. <laughs> exactly. And I love what you said earlier, where you said that if somebody is is um, connected to this, they're not going to want to be bombing people or uh, oppressing other people because it just wouldn't compute well, you know, you can only do that stuff if you're not empathizing, presumably, uh, uh, you know, uh, where you've somehow cut yourself off. Uh, so that's the first thing. Second thing is if you empathize even more deeply and see that they are you, well, I mean, you're, you're even less likely, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that makes sense. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's not a recipe for being holy or being perfect. You know, I keep putting my foot in it every day. I can see that. But it is uh, the direction, isn't it? And you can see it makes sense. And my God, one needs, uh, we need this, I think. You know, uh, it is such a, uh, well, it's the truth. It's true. It's good. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, we're going to be, I, I kind of feel like I don't want to stop the podcast because we could just keep talking and it's just so valuable and so lovely. But, you know, we, we do, um, we are in a... Okay, anyone can join my uh, £10,000 course if they like. Oh, marvellous. <laughs> Is that really a thing? No. <laughs> well, it no, be. I like to offer it free. I, I, whenever I can, I like to, because it's friends, you see. You're sharing it amongst friends, so... Yeah. Uh, we we have Zoom groups, you know, and your people are welcome to drop into those. They're free. 
And there's lots on the website. We have a, you know, a course, an e-course. It's all free, that stuff. So there's lots you, you know, if it does pick your, you know, it does, if it does interest you, then lots of YouTube stuff, uh, website, headless.org, all of that is available. Yeah. Yes. So is, is that website, headless.org, the best place for people to go to find yeah. it? Yeah, because you'll get, you know, uh, links there to the YouTube channel or yeah. you can get in touch with me if you want to drop into a Zoom group and uh, all of that. Yeah, that's a good place to start. Excellent. And are you running workshops in person as well at the moment? Well, I've just started having meetings at home. Um, in, in London, UK? Yes. Yeah, and that is because I want to see if I can do my bit to, uh, you know, to get, uh, I mean, there's already a community of seers, but I'd, I'd like to, you know, have friends around me in London, more friends around me in London. So that's the reason, you know, yeah. get regular meetings here is the meetings of friends. I, uh, we have a gathering in Salisbury, um, April, and then in, uh, that's this month, and then another in July, actually. Yeah. Uh, so I'll, uh, that's going on and, I was traveling, traveling a lot before the pandemic. Obviously, that closed down. But I hope to. Uh, I love meeting people and sharing this with people. So I hope that that uh, gets going again. Yeah. Excellent. And do you think you will be, tra- be traveling and doing it worldwide again like you were before? Well, I will if I'm invited. Ah, excellent. <laughs> Good. So if somebody is, in, I, I don't know, Kuala Lumpur or... Why, why aren't I getting invited anymore, Richard? It, it, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? <laughs> We've been trying to tell you for years, Richard. You won't <laughs> stop talking. <laughs> well, you know, you're giving a great gift to the world, I think, in, in what you're doing. So I don't think anyone's got any right to complain. <laughs> well, it, you know, it's one of those gifts that comes back to you a thousand times, yeah. you know, uh, because it's it's communication and it's uh, it, you can't just communicate if you're on your own. Yeah, yeah exactly. Great. Well, I will put that website address, headless.org, in the show notes. Ah. People can go on there and they can find out what's going on and connect. And if people in other parts of the world, particularly people in very beautiful parts of the world, would <laughs> like to invite you to come and do a workshop, you may be amenable, possibly. Um, twist, my arm. <laughs> twist your arm. Um, and look, looking back over this conversation, has there been um, for you a favourite part of this conversation today? Well, all of it, <laughs> all of it, all of it. Marvelous. Well, I've really, really enjoyed it as well, and I've oh, great to uh, to chat with you, Catherine. See you again, and share uh, our true nature together. Absolutely. Well, it's been a real pleasure, and thank you again. And um, everybody, headless dot org is the place to go to find Richard. Um, and uh, thank you have a great day you've been listening to truth and transcendence the regular weekly podcast from yes you now with Catherine llewellyn for more information head to yes you now dot today forward slash podcast <laughs>